0: Can I become a gun-carrying American? I, I served in the Army, and I was a very good shot, with, and that's the only time I've ever handled a gun in my life. I was very good at it, and they said it's because I didn't have any bad habits that a lot of kids did growing up hunting with their dads or hunting with their friends. I didn't have it, so they taught me how to shoot, and I shot really well. The day I left the Army, I haven't thought about a gun until this year.
1: Um, can we identify ourselves politically because anytime we talk about something on the show that is like so 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 wrapped up in politics? Uh, I think it's good to sort of like talk about where we are um,
0: Yeah, and then that's the thing I'm I am a Christian I identify as a Christian and I'm not a perfect one by a long stretch And I do have a lot of red friends who are very extreme red friends Yeah, and I think the, because of the way I look you know the that I look like one of those <laughs> middle aged white business owner? <laughs> yeah, yeah, really. Yeah. And I'm in the construction business and I seem very conservative, you know? So I think that makes a difference. I mean, we know we have a friend who is a actually a politician who's, who's Democrat and her husband's extreme Republican, right? So it yeah. happens and they're very happy together.
1: Well, uh, with, with who I've worked with and my friends, I almost have a dead mix 50 uh, 50 politically um and it's it's interesting i i had somebody um one of my republican friends be like did you move to texas because of politics and i was like no it's it's because i was working on building trailers and land <laughs> like it's, it's um, for love
0: it was you came in with there for love right period. yeah
1: exactly um <laughs> yeah i, I just want to state that like we're apolitical we're not defending or advocating one side or the other with guns we are simply talking about like our experiences with guns, what we think is responsible, and what drives somebody to become a responsible gun owner, and whether or not you know that it, does that make sense? Like, does it make sense for us.
0: When you go to big mega churches, there is a lot of dangers. You know, there's there's school shootings, there's church shootings, there's people that come in with met, you know who want to get the pastor because of his religious beliefs or political beliefs. And I started serving at my church on the they call it the safety, but what it is is security. So they need a certain amount of people at church who carry guns. They need people for security, but they need. And in my church, that the new church I serve at, there's a shortage of those. So I have went to a class to get my concealed guns permit so I can bring a gun to church. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Sounds crazy saying it out loud, but. So this is all new to me. Now I'm 49. Again, I haven't touched a gun since I was 22. Now you carry a gun, right, Joe?
1: Yes, all it, it the is. time. So I would I would carry if I was traveling uh, around Oregon for distances. I would carry if I was going to a job that required me to carry, and I would carry if I was going to um, you know, camp. If I was going to go, you know, outdoors, basically.
0: So I told you, I'm going to do this. Right, we wanted this class, and. I, I had gone to gun shops through the years with friends or whatever and I I, I always marveled at I like to watch the people in there. They get so excited. And to me they're like those people that go to, to um like car shows who are just really into the the you know, the, the gearheads who really like to talk about the horsepower and how the cars are made and all this. The gun people are even worse and I see them getting so excited and I can see everyone's testosterone. And so Joe told me that would you you buy a gun or hold a gun? Was it your testosterone actually goes up?
1: Yeah, there was, there was an old study that Crack dot com uh, uh, made jokes about. They were this is where I learned about it, and they were talking about how there's there's studies of like if if you are a guy and you hold a gun, it temporarily makes your testosterone spike slightly. Which they take they take ch- cheek swabs to find that like your hormone levels, which well, is I amazing. Could, yeah,
0: and I could see these men and women peacocking around there. So I find my gun buddy, my very, very, you know, very, very Oregonian. See, Oregonians, Oregon's very, very unique in that the city is very, very liberal, and that as soon as you get outside of Portland, it becomes the, the, the very opposite. It's very extreme. Wouldn't you say, Joe? I mean, it's... Urban to rural. Yeah. You, yeah. You, and you sure it's east, a lot of places, but here it's pretty extreme. You can almost see it, right? A, <laughs> yeah. And so I go to this class. The first thing that popped into my head, it's at this self-defense place, I thought that I was being pranked, Joe. I thought this was a Saturday Night Live skit. (laughs) I was looking around, because this guy was this ex-cop, and he went on this rant, this aggressive rant of how our rights are being taken around. He went over federal and state laws for two hours. Oh my God. It was exhausting. and. I was confused. There are so many little laws about if you have a concealed weapon between public schools, churches, private businesses, Indian reservations, um, state parks, national parks. You would have to carry a lawyer with you at all time to know if you're in compliance with the laws of carrying a firearm. Right. <laughs> I mean, am I right? I mean, it's it's crazy. And there's different laws for different counties and different <laughs> –
1: and there's certain places where if they post a uh, sign that says you can't carry, there are some places where you can – you have to obey it. And there are some places where it's a suggestion by the business, but the business can't actually tell you whether or not you can carry or not. There's there's differences of um, if if you have a different weapon on you, if you have a concealed carry card, the cops aren't supposed to ask about the other weapon because your concealed carry just cover- – like, like I, I don't remember if that was I, – I took my class years ago. So it might have changed. But yeah, there were so many little intricacies and weird loopholes. And yeah, it was it was crazy.
0: They went on and on with these different codes and all this stuff. And I'm thinking, someone should be writing this down. Well, the big thing that I heard a lot was fear. And they were talking about all these situations. And I heard at least 30 times in this six-hour class, if you're dead, people are going to rape and murder your family. I heard that at least 30 times. <laughs>
1: Wait, 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 wait. You mean like if, if there's a home invader and you're taken out as the, yeah, the, yeah, the gonna man rape, of the house? Right. right. The, the, the next I'm target is going to be your family? Yeah. And your okay. kids
0: your kids, and your wife are going to be raped. I mean, I heard that 30 times, Joe, and I was like, whoa. Now, I don't know how realistic it is to live that way. I could see if you're in law enforcement or you're an FBI agent or even in the military to do this situational things, but I don't know in your... in your um. Your writing career? How many times people are trying to murder you on a daily basis, Joe? Um, (laughs) I mean, how often are you throwing lead at somebody?
1: It depends on if a review is really bad or if you give somebody (laughs) really bad criticism. Saying not often.
0: To me, it felt like they were selling fear.
1: Is it while you were in the class, or do you think, generally speaking, gun culture sells fear? The, The latter. Okay. What
0: What do you think?
1: I. Again, years change. Like, I, I got my class done before, um, before the changeover between Obama and Trump. Like, I, I, I took my classes quite a long time ago initially, and then you re-up it, and you don't have to attend the same big sort of heavy class where they, they hit you with the fear. So I think politically times were different, but I believe gun culture generally does um, – the selling point is fear. It it's it depends on what level you're at too. Like if you are a casual gun owner and you, you you're just out for hunting and self defense, the selling point is um you can shoot somebody if they come into your house or you can get food if you absolutely need to. But but the underlying threat there is there may come a time where you can't get food other than using a rifle, or there may come a time where you can't defend your family other than with a pistol. And then it just goes up from there it's then the fear that gets sold at higher tiers is uh it is the the, the tier above that like it like a used car salesman hey you know like like here's the next tier it's you, you're gonna have to defend your country and the next tier is you know your own country is gonna come for your guns and right <laughs> yeah.
0: And, and it's, well, yeah well yeah and that's what I you know I, I put a statistic that 27 percent of police officers in their careers fire their firearm and I've heard a lot lower than that. Well, again, they're in domestic violence situations all the time, daily. Right? You and I are not in that many of those. I used to live a lot different life. You know, I used to do, do a lot of drugs and hang out at places I probably shouldn't have, and would would go out and was out at two a.m. every night, which is you know you put yourself more likely. But again, um, I don't know how likely that is. How how can you stay trained and diligent on that for that long? Right, waiting for something that hopefully will never happen, but probably most likely will never happen, right?
1: I, I, okay, so I'm actually going to answer one of your questions real quick with a Bureau statistic. You asked um, you know, if, if your home is burglarized or robbed, the very first thing that will happen is they will take you out and then they will um, rape your family. Um, I pulled that up statistics murder. from the Bureau of Justice and Stats Um, We'll leave a link to that in our show notes. Uh, Quote, an an estimated 3.7 million households are burglarized each year on average. In about 28% of these burglaries, a household member was present for the burglary. So one third of of the burglaries, somebody was home. In 7% of all household burglaries, a household member experienced some form of violence or victimization. I'm not going to get any more detailed than that. Um, They classify it as like, uh, rape assault robbery aggravated assault simple assault so like in in all of the burglary cases seven percent of them result in somebody basically coming to direct harm um, so they're at, yeah. they're at
0: three o'clock in the afternoon too I that's the one thing we learned in that class that, that's when the time is it's in the afternoon it's not I always think two o'clock in the morning right <laughs> that's my yeah. fantasy no it's they're they're all like the majority of them are the afternoon time
1: right it's not insignificant, but it, it sure as hell isn't as bad as a, a class like you were talking about would make it out to seem.
0: Well, I'm laughing about it, Joe. I, it, it was upsetting to me. You know how protective I am over Joanne. And I, I don't like the idea of her her feelings being hurt. You know, so somebody's sitting there telling me my wife's going to be murdered and raped if I don't protect her. And, and I felt that way at church. I felt, I felt a sense of duty that... We I, I served in another church and my even when I went into to doing security work I didn't want to do something that was um, Joe has a history he he's worked in security and been armed for his job I haven't been um, I did I was a bouncer at, at some nightclubs and stuff when I was younger um but what, we went to this training and they they talked about uh, in the parts of the Bible where. You know, people come to your church and try to kill your kids and your wife and your pastor. That's not okay. You're there to protect them. You know, if you're able and you're a strong man, why would you, why would you let that happen? And I, I totally bought it, and they showed parts of the Bible where people ask for help, ask for protection. So it's not like, oh, it's, it's my time to go. No. No. Right. So I feel I don't feel like I, I don't want someone to come in with an AK and start loading on our church members who people who they're peaceful, giving money and doing good things. You know, no, I don't I don't like that. So I feel like, and I'm a physical way, and I, and I think I have the right temperament to to be there and be able to at least stop it. You know, and if I have to give my life, I have to give my life. You know, I don't know until that situation happens. You know, but I think I would. You know,
1: right. But then there's also I mean it, it kind of depends on how much you are dedicating yourself to this, uh, like, like it's it's just a concealed permit, but it is also sort of like deciding your responsibility level. It there is. There are um, every, almost every uh, active shooting incident that happens in the metro area, there are usually somebody within response uh, distance that has their card and has a weapon on them, and they don't respond because they feel right. uncomfortable, they don't have the temperament, they don't have the training, like, they they actually could not hit an active shooter if they wanted to because they, they just haven't been taking classes or going to the range. So it, it's kind of silly to, to be like uh, – like like I, I really understand the conservative view on this where all responsible parents and adults should be gun owners, but the reality is that how many of them would have the time, discipline, and licensing, and classes, and, and range time, like the, the safety, and, and how many of them are willing to take the statistical risk that – I think I think during our discussion when we started gearing up for this episode, you asked me how many people get hurt by their own hands who have a misfire. And I said one of the great unspoken statistics in the gun community is half of all gun injuries come from a, an accidental discharge. Half. Like that is – or no, no, no. It's not an accidental discharge. It's accidental discharge or intentional discharge on oneself. So meaning, you know, half of every like, – like we assume – All gun injuries come from gangster shooting each other, mass shooters, and like war. That's not the case. It's half of everything that gets hurt by a gun is by accident or by the owner, basically.
0: Well, they talked a lot about the stress, and you made a good point of that. These people who are seasoned law enforcement officers who have fired their guns, who are regular, they they, they practice scenarios with with high-tech videos that show situational things. Their stress level gets so high, the cortisol gets so high, most people lose their hearing or their sight when there's when there's an actual um, live firing situation, a live event, or a active shooter. Yeah. So people who are trained can lose numbness in their toes and their fingers could defecate themselves. This is very common. This is not like, oh, this happened, I just got stressed, out. no, 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 it's very common. I watch these corporate videos for church training and, and they were of live shooters and stuff. The, you know, I, again, they were new to me and they were so cold and so disturbing that I would lose sleep over them because they're not like Hollywood video shooting. We've been so desensitized by Hollywood but that's not what it looks like when someone gets shot in real life. It's yeah. very ugly, it's very permanent, it's very brutal, you know.
1: It's also very simple, like <laughs> it is.
0: Yeah, it, it, it's not that. There's not the co- yeah the colors of flames and cars flipping over, right? Yeah, you're
1: right. Yeah, it's and nobody nobody's body is jerking as they get unloaded on. It's like no, no. no, There's a pop sound and then they stop moving or they they, slop they over. yeah yeah or and they're still haunting. trying to move. Yeah, it's, it's, it's haunting. Terrible.
0: Their their eyes are open even though they're yeah. It's 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 very it's it's horrible. Yeah. Now they did some training. They talked about um, leaving. Tail between your legs, he said over and over. He says, you're in a restaurant with your significant other and a couple starts fighting. It doesn't care it matter if it's a $200 dinner, you get up and you walk out. Some guy bumps you on the street. That's not a time to pull your gun out. Somebody disrespects you, cuts you off in traffic. It's not a time to pull a gun out. Have you ever, when you have your gun and someone's, I don't want to say, disrespected you or or look down, have you ever felt even the urge, Joe, to tell them you have a gun or show them that you have a gun?
1: Legally, that's called brandishing, <laughs> and it's very, very legal. Uh, it It's not an attitude adjuster. I know I'm gonna be repeating a lot of stuff that they say in trainings, because I've done training often. I just mean like, you
0: personally, how you feel.
1: Yeah, how I feel. Um, there have been occasions where, um, I, I, I guess, I have thought to myself, if they are armed, then possibly I'd let them know I was if they started an altercation. But it, it really hasn't come up. It's been so infrequent. Like, the, the few times um, I responded to a gun incident uh, on 3rd and Alder in Portland, so, like, near the clubs, and you say, like, um, uh, police will sort of have, like, they'll, they'll get tingles or they'll, like, lose feeling or sight or hearing. Um I, I didn't believe I'd seen what I saw. Like, I, I saw somebody um, come out from between the cars. I heard the pops and the flashes, and I was like, oh, oh, this is happening. And I had a couple of people with me, and we 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 took cover, and I wasn't armed at the time, but I was still on the job. And so, like, I asked them, what did you see, a couple of times, because I, I wanted to make sure. So, like, it is so weird with the adrenaline and the stress. Like, your response won't be, I got to be a hero and pull a gun. It's It's did I just see what I saw unless it is really, really in your face and up close. And as far as like feeling threatened, like ha- have I ever had somebody cut me off in traffic or yell at me and think I need to pull a gun on them? I don't think I've ever thought that. I, I think okay. what I've thought in the past is I would like to punch them. Um.
0: <laughs> that's one of my genuine, see this this is my two biggest fears I have personally about carrying a gun. Um, my, I have a, my temperament's been all over. It's, it's not as as, as, hot, as bad now as it used to be when I was younger. Testosterone's a little lower. I'm afraid that I'll have a bad day and someone will yeah. cut me off or say something, you know, I could be overly sensitive or I even worry about, you know, I've had stretches with depression. I've had stretches with addiction. And I think one of these nights I'll drink too much and I'll think, you know, what's my life coming to? And I'll put that gun in my mouth and I, I have a genuine fear of that.
1: Oh, yeah legit fear of that um like you talk about cops and how much stress they're under there's a reason why the suicide rate for cops is so high or anybody with a gun it's because like it it doesn't matter who you are i can make this seem very human very quickly and not make people think this is quite as dark as it is just anybody who's listening imagine the worst day of your life and you have a red button on your belt that if you push that button it all goes away like like Nobody would be walking around if that was the case. I, I do believe that. Like, I, I think that it doesn't matter what your relationship is with depression or anxiety or what your relationship is to drinking. Those are all exacerbating factors. I do want to say yeah. most people who kill themselves are drunk at the time. But, like, no, if, if you are...
0: They say if, thir- 30% of cops have a high depression rate, which is yeah. high. That's high by... I mean, that's very high.
1: Yeah. If, if everybody walking around had a button on them, not a gun, just a button... That, that stopped yeah. everything forever. They and, have a
0: 50, and 54% higher um, risk when compared to the civilian population. <laughs> that's yeah. a lot higher. You know, that's a lot higher.
1: So, that is absolutely something to consider in the safety of, of gun ownership. If you're going to be responsible, you absolutely have to consider, like, you know, am I how you know, not how much do I trust myself, but do I take the proper psychological precautions? Like I have I have taken I've gone to therapy and counseling. So like I personally know that I am very unlikely to do that. But anybody who becomes a, a responsible gun owner, they should ask that question. That is a very smart one.
0: Now part of the class they went into this this was just so mind blowing for me. Um they talked about the, the the anatomy of a body and where to shoot somebody. And so, you know, me thinking you know, I'll get into it with Joe. I might shoot him in the foot because he's a jackass. (laughs) You know what I mean? Or a warning shot. Oh, no. You shoot someone to stop someone. So they're showing this, you know, shooting someone in the heart and the lungs and they're explaining why. And they're explaining it takes 2.5 bullets to kill somebody usually and then there's no such thing as a half a bullet. So it means you have to shoot someone. They talk about people being on drugs, people being angry. Um, Yep. Stopping
1: power is the... Sort of like colloquial name yeah. for it.
0: So this was giving me the heebie-jeebies. I'm already hearing about my wife being raped and murdered, and then I'm hearing about shooting some guy in the heart. You know, I, I, I'm squirming a bit. You know, and I'm yeah. looking at the person's lungs, and then I'm seeing the trajectory of bullets. It was it was upsetting to me. You know, and I was trying to be cool and not you know I don't know, gonna <laughs> leave or cry or I don't know I don't know. It was a tough day. It was a long day. <laughs> It was heavy, you know? <laughs> and then and then some things they talked about, um when they did t- talked about de escalating things, they talked a lot about um, you know, your ego, your pride, walking away. You don't have to be a tough guy. He also talked a lot about um men's sensitivity if we think that something's happening. We don't know the whole story. So Yeah. Breaking up fights, or if you see a woman that looks like she's been domestically, they they were warning that there's a lot more going on than here. You don't need to be a hero right. And that, that
1: is it's funny you say because I, I can imagine both of us, like when I, especially you, I'm sorry, but like like when you have power like that, do you become the world's referee?
0: right, right. And make things worse and put yourself in danger and put them in more danger. Um, I lived in a, a in a neighborhood in Las Vegas and it was predominantly African-American. And socially, I noticed something. At first, it was very upsetting to me. I'd see couples, you know, just couples, you know, married couples, couples in their early 20s, grownups. And they'd be arguing and they'd be yelling and screaming in a way that to me meant they they were going to fight. But then over time, I realized it's just, that's the way they argue sometimes. <laughs> yeah. They're very... Emotionally charged and they they talk very, the voices are raised, it isn't the way I was raised and what I saw in predominantly white relationships that I'd been in or with my friends or my family, I hadn't seen people fight like once in a while but not all the time and then I realized, oh that's just a social difference, you know? Nobody's in danger here but if I didn't know better, I would think I have to save this woman or this guy's gonna hurt her, you know?
1: Right. To my ears, it sounds like a precursor to violence, but that actually might be because I myself am very, I, I usually sound calm and I usually sound very civil. So to, to them, it's not a precursor to violence. To them, they're just having a very lively uh, Chicago discussion.
0: <laughs> yeah. And to you, it sounds like you don't care, but that's just not the way you communicate. You don't get yourself worked up like that. Right. Right. So this is what they talked about. Okay, He's talking about when police come. And he's pointing out that police are going to try to get you if you shoot somebody, okay? He said, you don't say anything. They give you this card that you carry around with you, okay? And this insurance company came in and talked to us. And what they do is, this is what they, I don't know know if you have this kind of insurance, what it's insurance is if you shoot somebody. You read them this card, they have attorneys, they have eight of them in the state of Oregon that are on retainer, and they're specialists on guns. Because what they're saying is if you shoot someone, you are going to jail, period. Okay. Yeah. You're going to jail. Whether it's your fault, you were attacked, they're trying to rape and murder, they broke in your house, it doesn't matter. In the state of Oregon, you cannot protect, if you try to break into my house and I shoot you, I'm going to jail because I can't, um, At least gun laws, yeah, doesn't protect property. It just protects a person. So they give you this card to read, and they have these eight attorneys. and And so, if you go to jail and you don't have a, you know, your twenty grand for an attorney, how are you going to find an attorney who's an expert on guns? You might call a divorce attorney. It's going to be tough, right? So you you don't give them any permission. You say I'm going to help a uh, co- uh, uh, help you. I'm going to cooperate 100 percent once my attorney gets here. And they talked about the different ways where police officers, like, let's say you're a woman and you and you shot someone. They say they'll bring in a female officer to talk to you, and she'll let her hair down. To try to get you to let your guard down and to right. talk to you in a soft swing. And I'm just like, is this a real thing, Joe? Uh,
1: we are someday going to do an episode on questioning and how police questioning works. Um,
0: I can hear the, you licking your chops on this because you like this kind Oh of my shit.
1: God. <laughs> Yeah, procedural books for questioning, um, they they it's not about you know, tell, give me names. Like, like they don't t- take you to a, a a cold room with a bright light and yell at you. Tell me if you killed this man. You know, Do you pulled the trigger. Like, like where are the drugs? No, 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 no. Questioning is making friends with you. And, are you
0: okay? Oh my yeah. god, this is so scary. Yeah, right?
1: it's, it's asking how you are, checking on you, going through the narrative with you sympathetically, but that really is just getting you to talk about the narrative of what happened. Yeah, it, it's it's wild.
0: So, this is the thing I, okay. So, there's a couple of things I take away from this. They said, when you call 911, so you, Joe, broke in and I shot you. I said, I just shot, someone just came in. I had to protect myself. Send help right away. Hang up the phone because the 911 call is continuing to, to play and record. So, if you say anything like, I shot that motherfucker dead, I got that son of a bitch before he got me all of that's going to be used against you and get you a prison term. And this is the last thing I want to talk about and this is my takeaway and I thought this was very one of the funniest things I've ever heard and so when you're in when you pull in your firearm on someone to protect yourself be polite and be professional. You say things like I don't want to be harmed. I'm protecting myself. I don't want any trouble. <laughs> you don't swear, you don't cuss. <laughs> You be polite and you be to the point they had a saying that I'm going to be polite and professional. <laughs> yeah. And I couldn't help but think about Mrs. Brady, you know, like <laughs> because you think of the dirty hair and you make your day, you son of a bitch. You get what you burn in hell. You right. can't say any of those things because <laughs> all they're going to get you is a nice prison cell.
1: Yeah. Um, Do you mind if I ask follow-up questions? Can we we take five minutes to...
0: Sure, you're liking this now,
1: huh? Yeah. Oh, yeah. (laughs) I said 30-minute episode. I meant, like, I'll drag this out. Well, Uh. when we talk about, like, be polite, be professional, be calm, what we're talking is de-escalation. And honestly of the classes i've taken and the things i've been like of the things i've participated in negotiation like the the chris voss style negotiation um uh, de-escalation tactics uh talking people down uh good lighting hell you you talk about the likelihood that you're going to get burglarized if you want to lower that seven percent chance that you get burglarized and assaulted the, the combination of the two is about if our if our if our website or our, our government is correct in its stats if you want to lower that just have really good automatic lighting around your house <laughs> and todd you said that most burglaries take place in the middle of the day that also comes down to like timing like like you know do you have predictable patterns when they see your car out front and things like that so just yeah or, or um,
0: facebook facebook posts are a big one too of where yeah. you are we're we're ourselves in cancun absolutely. Like, oh, we, we want someone to break. No, you don't want anyone to break in when you're away. You don't want them to break in anything. It's very, uh, you know, I've had a bad, I don't know if you've ever had break-ins, but it's very, uh, <laughs> I don't know what you call it, but you feel, vic- you're victimized. You feel very violated, you know?
1: Right. You, you know? realize that the only thing separating you from the outside is plaster. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, 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 it makes you feel very vulnerable.
0: Um, Me and I have not in domestic situations that I'm not proud of. I have shouldered in a door, and it it takes all of two seconds. It requires no physical anything. I mean, I could kick a door down without without even trying. I mean, it, like opening it, you could just break the 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 deadbolt lock. That wood yeah. is only an inch thick, and a grown man can shoulder that in or kick it in, and, and with no problem. I mean, it's just no problem. You just got to kick right where the door is. <laughs> yeah, I can if you've you ever to do it learned yeah. how to use
1: a traditional set of lock picks. You're right. Trim wood is very thin and if you don't want to leave damage, lock picks are cheap and also it's a it's a crime in Oregon to carry them, I believe, still, but they're very easy to use and like some of the most advanced locks, like unless they are like double tooth locks, you can go through a deadbolt lock with a lockpick in, in no time at all. So
0: like But the ones we all have from Home Depot and Lowe's are are no trouble. I mean Yeah, they're, they're nothing.
1: Yeah, they're not so yeah, the, the the thing that keeps you the most safe is Really uh, good lighting, good response times for your neighborhood. Uh, uh, being near a phone frequently, like <laughs> I, I, when people talk, I've I've had a um, my brother came to me, and I've had a, other people come and ask me if they should be gun owners, and I say, look into it, take classes, like like start thinking about the level of responsibility that would take. I am not a um, one of the ultra conservatives who are like everyone should have a military style rifle to protect their country immediately. I'm like no no no. Let's think about you know what are you getting it for? What, you know, uh, what are the other like steps I'm, you're going to take? I feel
0: like I'm in a macho boys club when I'm at those stores. And I've been to them probably 10 times. Yeah, I can feel everybody winking at me. Like, bro, you're one of us. I feel that, you know, and I don't feel that anywhere else. Yeah. <laughs> it's the only place, I don't feel that way at the gym, I don't feel that way at, at Toastmasters, I don't feel that way at any of our public things we do. But when a gun store, you feel like, oh, yeah, you're you're a blue-blooded gun-carrying. Right. You know. <laughs> the more, the better, you know. It's
1: like the Illuminati. Um,
0: it is. You know what I'm talking about. Right. <laughs> it's a real thing.
1: But I, I would say just for my own opinion and in my own experience, which is my own, it's you should be ready to do four or five other classes if you're going to be a a responsible carrier you should take de escalation classes you should look into the statistics of what gets you burglarized like you you should be willing to take more steps to educate yourself than just the simple step of i am gun owner i you know second amendment hear me roar it's that a take responsibility and i don't know if
0: i don't know if i'd rather be dead or be in jail that's a something too and that's something i'm kind of battling with if i yeah. did have a bad day or if i did do something and let's say I wasn't at, at fault, but I did do something and it took a life. Would I be able to live with myself? Would I be able to handle with the depression and guilt? Another thing they talked about in the liability of, let's just say, uh, you know, we live in Portland and and it's been polarized big time. You know that we have the worst homeless population in the world. They make it seem like that way, the media or whatever. But if you get attacked by a homeless person and you shot kill him, well, there's examples of those stories and stuff. They told a lot, countless stories about those that you will be sued by the family civilly. Yeah. So even if you're see, so even if you're not charged, um, charged with a crime and go to jail or go to prison, you will be sued by a member of their family is going to want whatever you got. So are you willing to trade your life savings for protection?
1: That is an amazing point, and I, I think we should probably end on that. Um, but I do want to ask you: Did you hear about the speaking of? Uh, there was a there was a shooting at Hooters that happened in the Northwest
0: <laughs> we should have started the show with that
1: <laughs> and it was it was uh, two guys who had their concealed carry permits and um, they started an argument and it was about how much a dog can weigh like how much a dog can get up to <laughs> and it ended with them pulling their guns on each other
0: <laughs> and if, if and if one of them wouldn't have had a gun isn't that terrible that that's called yeah. escalation right
1: Right. Yeah. That's the, yeah. That should be in all police precincts, honestly. When they talk about escalation, they should yeah. be like, okay, now if you're ever in a Hooters and you're having an <laughs> argument about how much a dog can weigh.
0: But, but that's how things, and that's what I saw a prison video about that. The guy says, well, yeah, he killed him over a pack of cigarettes. It wasn't over a pack of cigarettes. He yeah. borrowed it. He didn't pay him back. He laughed at him when he asked for his money. And it escalates, right? And it's about ego and pride and it's a lot of things. We all like to think we'd walk away, but then we all, we're taught to stand up for ourselves too, you right? Know? And then when you have that that ultimate power in your hand to take life, um, I don't know if everyone should have that responsibility or if you can be trusted with that responsibility.